You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. You heard that sharp change in tone from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau taking a much stronger stand against the protest blockades of Canada's rail network. After nearly three weeks of protests, Trudeau says the barricades must come down, but that is not going over very well with Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs or their Mohawk allies in Ontario. Richard Zussman reports. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's message is clear. Enough is enough. Canadians have been patient. Our government has been patient. But it has been two weeks and the barricades need to come down now. A significant shift in tone on Friday on the two weeks of disruptions from railways to legislatures to intersections. We have exhausted our capacity uh, to engage in a uh, positive, substantive, active way at our initiative to resolve this. The disruptions were triggered by five Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs standing in opposition to the coastal gaslink pipeline through their territory. Those hereditary chiefs have in principle agreed to meet with federal ministers, but there are conditions, including the RCMP leaving Wet'suwet'en land, the police patrolling in the territory stopping, and coastal gaslinks work coming to a halt. The Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs have put a path of peace forward in order that nation-to-nation -nation discussions with Canada and B.C. may occur freely and without duress. It's unclear when those meetings will actually take place, considering several Wet'suwet'en chiefs are in Mohawk territory and for now won't be advising their supporters to take the blockades down. Both the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs and the Mohawk people of Tiendanega remain deeply concerned by the myriad of laws that Canada has broken, including Wet'suwet'en law. The hereditary chiefs are clear. They will continue to be against the construction of this project if it goes through their land. Well, the BC provincial government is clear as well that this project will be completed. The project will proceed. It's uh, it fundamental to our economy, fundamental to prosperity for people in the north. The RCMP agrees it's time for de-escalation and hoping to meet with the hereditary chiefs as soon as possible. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, we'll bring in Keith Baldry right now, who's in Victoria. Keith, you watch this change in tone. Mm -hmm. What do we read into it? Why now? I think clearly, I th probably getting some polling numbers that show that the public is wants a stronger reaction from the Prime Minister. Uh, this has been going on for some time. Uh, so a much firmer tone today. I think it's also a bit of a signal to the Ontario Provincial Police that it's now out of Ottawa's hands and they will be expected to act in terms of that blockade. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Now, I want to bring something up regarding the hereditary chiefs. So we heard some of them in Richard's story. I was on CKNW today with Jody Vance and one of the hereditary chiefs, Chief Namox, phoned us and said basically... Basically, there was a deal to have a meeting next week as we're confident this cri those criteria were going to be met. Here's a bit of the exchange he says would lead to the, the Mohawk uh, getting rid of that blockade once the meeting was held next week. Absolutely. Like, we were all well-intentioned people. Um, the, what they refer to as a crisis did not have to happen. If the discussions had started even before last year, uh, it would not have gotten to this point. 
So despite that sort of optimistic tone that he struck in our conversation with Jody and I about the meeting basically was about to occur, he phoned producer Alan Regan back 15 minutes later and said, forget it. We, after reviewing Justin Trudeau's comments, this meeting, if it's ever going to happen, is going to be delayed. So again, more mixed messages coming from the hereditary chiefs. One final note, I flew back a couple times between Victoria and Vancouver today, Chris. I counted 30 freighters and cargo ships docked in English Bay and in the Gulf Islands. That shows you how much goods are not coming to port. No doubt. Yep. Things are stalled for sure. Thanks very much, Keith. Keith Baldry and Victoria for us. Vancouver police are searching for the suspect who tried to steal a commercial seaplane. It happened early this morning at the Coal Harbor Terminal. The thief didn't get very far before crashing into a number of other planes. But as Jill Bennett reports, he disappeared immediately after that. The damage to this de Havilland Beaver float plane is extensive. One wing is completely gone, just a few wires left dangling from the side. And the propeller, also more than a little worse for wear. He cut the wing off of that one, cut the wing off of his, and as far as I know from looking at it, it looks like this wing is actually in the water. And the damage didn't stop there. A man who broke into the terminal around 3.30 Friday morning hit two harbor airplanes with a sea airplane. So he attempted to steal the plane and he never got airborne. He remained, um, I guess, taxiing the water. Never got airborne. The break-in disrupted some of the morning flights set to arrive at the terminal. When I checked in in Victoria, I was told uh, we weren't going to be landing in Vancouver because they couldn't access the dock. They never told us why. We believed that we were going to be going to Richmond, and the plane was actually taking that route, and we ended up turning into towards Vancouver Harbor instead. It's easy to search and find several YouTube videos. And then we've got a wobble pump right here. Showing in detail how to start and operate a float plane. I'm not the expert. I'm told you don't need keys for these planes. Uh, but again, uh, that is something that we are investigating, how he did this. No one was hurt during this bizarre attempted plane robbery, but it's a story people won't soon forget. Landed, not landed. We've had dice, dicey landings. We've dropped from the sky at times, but I've never heard of someone actually stealing a float plane. This is uh, unheard of. As for the suspect, police say he ran away from the terminal. The theft was captured on surveillance cameras in the area. That footage is now part of the investigation. Jill Bennett, Global News. Charges of assault are being considered against the suspect after a takedown in New Westminster today that was caught on video. Police firing a non-lethal weapon to bring the man down. It started when an officer on patrol was approached by a man acting aggressively. He called for backup, and when other officers arrived, the man produced a weapon. When attempts to de-escalate the situation by talking didn't work, police used a taser. They say that had no effect either, and so a rubber bullet was fired. The man suffered minor injuries and is now in custody. It's possible that he was on drugs or wearing loose or baggy clothing why the taser wasn't effective. All that will be part of the investigation. Um, again, we're, we're thankful that this was a non-lethal situation where the suspect was taken into custody safely. A Surrey mother has just pleaded guilty to federal programs bribery in the ongoing college admissions scandal in the U.S., Jiaoming Sui admitted to a federal court judge in Boston today that she paid $400,000 to get her son admitted to UCLA as a phony soccer recruit. The 49-year-old Chinese national was arrested last September while vacationing in Spain. She spent five months in jail there, awaiting extradition to the U.S. 
Sui will be sentenced May 19th, but prosecutors are recommending no additional prison time. She's the 21st parent to plead guilty in the case. Vancouver businessman David Sidhu is also charged with conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud in the same case. He is pleading not guilty, and his case remains before the U.S. courts. A B.C. condo owner is taking matters into her own hands in the insurance crisis that has some strata owners facing massive premium increases and others unable to get insurance at all. And she's getting some support now from the liberal opposition, which is blasting the NDP government for doing nothing to help desperate homeowners. John Wall reports. When Asifa Lalji bought in this new Westminster strata 13 years ago, she knew this was her home. Keeping it that way hasn't always been easy. Facing mobility issues, Laoji had to spend thousands to make her unit more accessible. This was my big investment, and yeah, I'm very worried about our, my future. Now the cost of strata insurance might be what forces her to move. You're paying for insurance as long as you don't use it. Once you actually need to use it, then they don't want to insure you anymore. When the strata council went to renew, they had budgeted to pay 40% more than the previous $69,000 premium. We got word uh, three days before the insurance expired that our rate was going to go to $260,000, which was a 300% increase. Laoji has launched an online petition demanding action from the B.C. government. And we're going to be uh, speaking to the Insurance Bureau of Canada to try and find out what their rationale is for these uh, unusually large spikes uh, in costs. And we're going to do what we can to manage those down. Sadly, we raised this with the NDP finance minister last week and she blew it off. Condo owners need to know that government's on their side. Lalji says those in power had plenty of time to act. Officials say if, if they comment at all, it is that we are monitoring the situation. We've assigned this particular agency to look into it, and that's not good enough. Now in this new West building, people with disabilities, seniors on fixed incomes, and young families are scrambling to pay a much higher monthly fee. It's the first time that I've ever actually been worried about where I'm going to live. And with more than 30,000 strata buildings in B.C., Laoji is not alone. John Hua, Global News. Right now, though, an emotional ceremony today in Langley in honor of a young man whose death from an overdose made headlines after video of him in distress was posted on social media. Family and friends of 14-year-old Carson Cremeni gathered to hang his hockey jersey on the wall of the local sportsplex, hoping it will serve as a reminder about the dangers of bullying. Romina Dea reports. A raw moment for Carson Crimeni's grandfather, who is determined to prevent death by bullying from taking the life of another child. We hope it helps uh, the community. We can't do it on our own. We do need the community's help. Number 14, Crimeni's hockey jersey, retired too soon. It now hangs in the Langley Sportsplex as a reminder, if you see something, say something. If this reminds one person who sees bullying even, to speak out about it or to stop it if, they, if they're an adult, um, then, it's, then it's job. What did you say your name was? They laughed, they stood by, they filmed it, and then posted Kremeni's last moments alive online. The 14-year-old died alone of a drug overdose near Langley Skate Park in August of last year. I just really hope everyone can realize that it's not a game and people should really 
realize that I can take someone's life in a second. Carson meant a lot to me, and he helped me through a lot of tough times. He helped me out a lot, and yeah, I mean, if I if I didn't met him, I don't know where I, where I would be. Fifty-nine thousand signatures deep. An online petition continues to demand accountability for anyone who may have played a role in Kermeni's death. The file is now in the hands of the BC Prosecution Service, which will ultimately decide whether there is enough evidence to lay criminal charges. Spokesperson Dan McLaughlin will not comment on what charges are being considered or when a decision will be made. Back at the arena, Kremeni's grandfather hopes number 14 is a reminder of right from wrong. If it helps one family talk to their kids, kids talk to kids about the dangers of bullying, certainly the dangers of drugs, um, I think it's worth it. Romina Dea, Global News. And we'll stay with that anti-bullying theme because just ahead of Pink Shirt Day against bullying, the organization's kickoff fundraiser was held today, which does explain at least part of my wardrobe. The annual Pink Shirt Luncheon has raised more than $400,000 since it began in 2012. That money has been used to support local programs that end bullying. The luncheon hosted this year by CKNW's Linda Steele also launches into Pink Shirt Day, which is happening next Wednesday, and we hope you'll take part in that as well. Thanks to everybody who came out to the luncheon today. An update tonight to a heart-wrenching story about an Abbotsford man with a terminal illness who hasn't been able to be with his wife for more than two years. As Erin MacArthur reports, the pair have been married for 12 years, but immigration red tape is still keeping them apart. I haven't looked at it for quite some time. This is as close as Trevor Butler has been to his wife in two years. Looking back at their wedding day more than a decade ago, Marie stranded in St. Lucia, unable to get proper documentation to rejoin her husband in Abbotsford. She's frustrated. She wants, she wants to get back here. Last December, Global News did a story on the couple's situation. They never filed an application for permanent residency. Marie had entered Canada legally, but the rules changed while she was living here. The couple never realized it would be an issue until a holiday to the Caribbean two years ago. I think I know enough of him to know that he's going through a lot on his own right now. And I want to be there to help him with it. While the bureaucratic process ground to a halt, Trevor was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. The race was on to reunite the couple. There is an option for immigration to allow someone to come uh, on humanitarian grounds. There is an option for them to speed up the processing. After the original story, MP Ed Fast got involved and flagged the file to the immigration minister. Marie was given access to the proper paperwork and filed for a temporary residency permit at the end of 2019. Nearly two months later, still no progress. So I'm not sure what the deal is. They have, they have all my papers, my passports, all the documentation. Chemotherapy has kept the cancer in check for now, but Trevor knows he only has so much time. The more time Immigration Canada takes, the less he'll have with his wife. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. In this day and age, some might be surprised to learn that fewer than 20% of people employed in science-related fields, fields, including tech, engineering, and math, are women. But a local group is working to change that to everyone's benefit. Linda Aylesworth explains. 
If you've ever participated in a beach cleanup, then you know how plentiful discarded cigarette butts are. 242. Do these count? No. In the last three years, SeaSmart has taught over 30,000 BC kids about such threats to our marine ecosystem. Who can tell me why we're all here at this beautiful beach on a beautiful day? We need to clean up because that's what helps all of the animals. Dr. Elaine Leung is a marine biologist who left her job as a government researcher to create SeaSmart in the hopes of expediting change. I realize that kids are hope for future of the planet, but the problem with kids these days is that they're spending most of their waking hours indoors behind a screen and they're losing their connection with nature. There's another problem. The fact that so few women are choosing careers in STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Within BC, girls working in the science fields represent less than 20% of the STEM workforce. And we really want to help address that and just smash those gender barriers. C-Smart is doing that this summer with its first ever girls-only camps. So we're taking them to the beach and we're teaching them really cool scientific techniques and using the oceans as a really fun way of drawing their interest in the sciences, but it's also to open their minds to, into all the possibilities of science. I'm liking it that there's no voice. Afrida and Alicia are examples of girls who aren't about to let any gender barrier get between them and their love of science. One day, maybe like in the future, everybody would know about science and they would make a different change for the world. We need various different perspectives and having girls bringing in their perspectives in the conversation will increase the quality of the science that we can create. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Way to go, kids. All right, for the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been looking back fondly on the 2010 Winter Olympics. And tonight, meteorologist Christy Gordon is live at the Richmond Olympic Oval with more on the events going on there. One of the great legacy projects of the Games, Christy. Oh. Absolutely, and so what a great place to be celebrating 10 years in this stunning legacy venue, Chris. You know, this is going to be a three-day event starting tonight. Uh, so much for the families to see and do. I'm joined now by Richmond Mayor uh, Malcolm Brody. Uh, how does it feel? I mean, we've got some Olympians here, the torch here, lots of people coming out. How does it feel to see people reliving the moments of the Olympics? Well, you know, the last 10 years have gone by just like that. I mean, it just seems like a blink of the eye. We had a very special time here in Richmond. We relive the Olympics in some way pretty much every day of the year because we have the Olympic Museum upstairs and we have so many reminders from the rings on to the various surfaces uh, that remind us of what the Olympics meant to the city of Richmond. We just have a little bit of time, but what can people take part in this weekend? Lots of fun family entertainment. It's all free. Come over to the Richmond Olympic Oval, look online, and you can find out the, the roster of events. But everything, they can have you skating, they can have you on the court zone, you can go to the Olympic experience, all kinds of stuff. As well as para hockey, the women's Canada versus U.S. They're having two games Saturday and Sunday. Go Canada. That's right. All right, Chris, back to you. We'll be back in a little bit. All right, we'll check in later for the weather. Thanks very much, Christy, and uh, thank you, Mayor Brody, as well. A big black bear goes on a leisurely stroll in Southern California. It's most likely looking for food as it is garbage day there. Wildlife officials say the roughly 400-pound bear was a senior, about 70 years old in human years, 
After about six hours on the prowl, she was tranquilized by fish and wildlife officials and eventually taken back into the mountains. The jury in the Harvey Weinstein rape and sexual assault trial in New York might be deadlocked on the two most serious charges. In a note sent to the judge, jurors asked if they could be hung on two counts of predatory sexual assault while reaching a unanimous verdict on other charges. Judge James Burke consulted with attorneys, and while Weinstein's lawyers said they would accept the partial verdict, prosecutors said no. The judge agreed with prosecutors and told the jury of seven men and five women to keep working towards a unanimous verdict on all charges. The jury is now into its fourth day of deliberations. Healthy Canadians from the Diamond Princess cruise ship are back home after weeks under quarantine in Japan. The chartered plane touched down early this morning at CFB Trenton. The repatriated residents will be examined before being moved to Cornwall, Ontario for another two weeks in isolation. At least 47 Canadians were diagnosed with COVID-19 while aboard the cruise ship. They will remain in Japan while they receive treatment. That comes as concerns about a coronavirus pandemic grow in some countries after a major jump in cases outside of China. Fears of coronavirus are reaching hysteria. In Ukraine today, the mobs came out, attempting to block a convoy of 72 people, mostly Ukrainians, who just returned from Wuhan, China, even though their countrymen had been screened twice for infection. In South Korea, the number of infections doubled overnight to 200. Nearly all of the cases tied to a secretive church, considered a cult by other local Christians. Health officials say 500 more church members are showing symptoms and may be infected, but many have gone underground. China remains the epicenter, with millions forcibly confined to their homes. Some living on the upper floors of apartment blocks, getting food delivered into buckets on ropes. Yet the virus still spreads. 30 countries and territories, nearly 80,000 cases. The World Health Organization unsure how far it will go. This outbreak could go any direction. While the virus does not appear to be highly lethal, rumors and misinformation are sowing panic. Social media, I think, is often at its worst when we are at our most vulnerable. So people are spreading rumors about the coronavirus to get clicks. I would 100% guarantee that. The virus impacts every aspect of life here in Hong Kong. My flight over here was practically empty. Security guards take your temperature before they even let you check into a hotel. And people here are trying to avoid crowds, which is not easy in one of the most densely populated cities on the planet. Prince Harry and wife Meghan are running into a result of opting out of royal life they might not have anticipated. They can't use the word royal in their brand. The couple had applied for a UK trademark for the term Sussex Royal to use for their social media, non-profit organization, as well as lines of merchandise. But Harry and Meghan have been told there are specific government rules surrounding the use of the word royal and they're withdrawing their application. The couple who are now living on Vancouver Island will return to England later this month to carry out their final royal engagements. In Health Matters tonight, Ferris Backmeyer of Kamloops is only three years old, but she needs a new kidney. 
Yeah, are they all in the sink? The toddler's been diagnosed with what's known as Saldino Mainzer syndrome, which affects her liver, bones, eyesight, and of course her kidneys. She no longer has any kidney function and has been on dialysis since she was 14 months old. Ferris, though, is now big enough to receive a transplant and will be put on the deceased donor list in March. It is preferred um, to have a live donor kidney. Um, those kidneys typically just transplant better, they do better, and they typically last longer. So for Ferris, she's going to need more than one kidney transplant in her lifetime. The toddler's mother doesn't meet the criteria to donate her kidney. Her father, Pat, is hoping to qualify for a paired exchange, and that's when a living donor is incompatible with the recipient, so they exchange kidneys with another donor recipient. And we wish the family good luck in their treatment. This is what bullying does, people. A mother shares the heartbreaking impact of bullying on her son, and the result, thankfully, is going viral. We'll have that coming up right after Christie's forecast. We'll check back in with her down at the Richmond Oval for uh, a look at the weekend forecast as it's going to arrive pretty quickly here, Christy. That's exactly right. Now, Chris, I know you have one of these, but this is actually the first time that I've ever held one, and it does feel really special to be holding one. Uh, this is something that you can do if you come down here this weekend. Uh, all day Saturday and Sunday, you can take part. These will be down here as well as some medals that you can take photos in. And in behind me, the um, figure skating uh, uh, performances have gone on, so there really is lots for people to do down here. I urge you to go check out the website at richmondoval.ca. 10 years and that's where you can get all the information along with that pair of hockey games which will happen this weekend. Alright, let's talk about your weekend. We had a beautiful sunset and sunrise this morning. This is the sunrise from Winock Lake. Thanks so much to Cindy Elder for that one. Now, we are going to see the rainfall push in in not too long. It will mostly happen overnight. It will push out through the morning hours tomorrow, likely early in the morning for Metro Vancouver. So a pretty nice day tomorrow with mostly dry conditions but we still have a fair amount of cloud in the forecast but into Sunday we are expecting periods of rain there's your Saturday forecast everyone so from Terrace down through the Caribou and all across the south snowfall overnight light amounts two to four centimeters and it will push out through the morning hours tomorrow bringing you sunshine or breaks at least by the afternoon and same for the rainfall here that you see in the icon so a pretty nice Saturday Sunday's the one that's looking wet and then Monday a mix of sun and cloud and I'll leave you with a really special moment I had to show you this one this is a look back from Stacy Williams. Bronze medal goes to Mr. Dubs, silver to Mr. Buzz, and A. Williams got the gold. Reliving and looking back, and that's what we're doing here at the Richmond Olympic Oval too, Chris. Back that's to you. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is really nice to hold one of those torches in your hand, isn't it? I feel so fortunate I got yeah, a chance to it do is. it. Yeah, it is. All right, great weekend ahead. Thank you very much, Christy. Okay, now to that video. It is heartbreaking to the point where it's going to be hard to watch. This is the effect that Give bullying has. I'm gonna do with you. This is what bullying does. A nine-year-old Australian boy who has dwarfism sobbing, saying he wants to die. His mother recorded and posted it to show the very real effects of bullying. But in a prime example of how social media can occasionally do some good, it didn't take long for celebrities and others to speak up. Quaden, you are stronger than you know, mate. And no matter what, you got a friend in me. 
Fellow Australian Hugh Jackman leading the charge to tell Quaden Bales he's loved by people around the world. A GoFundMe page to raise $10,000 to send Quaden to Disneyland has raised more than $300,000, and he's been asked to lead the Indigenous All-Stars rugby team onto the field this weekend. According to his mother, Quaden says it's gone from the worst day of his life to the best day of his life. The nine-year-old Indigenous boy posted it because she's so worried that uh, he was going to be constantly picked on, but we're so thrilled that things have really turned around for him and that the response has been overwhelming. Right. Squire is here uh, with sports and, and thrilled to see, as you alluded to, that tell him to stay healthy. And you know what? I know somebody out there is going to say, don't say anything, man, you'll jinx him. We don't believe in jinxes. We don't believe in jinxes. And if he does them. get hurt, we still don't believe in jinxes. That's right. Uh, there are many reasons the Canucks are sitting in a playoff spot this late in the year. And instead of thinking about whether they'll win the draft lottery or not, that's a change. Here's another change. A healthy Chris Tanev. I know there are players down right now, including Brock Besser, but Tanev has avoided the big owie this year, and that's made a big difference. An outside with a pass to Horvat now. Back for Tanev. Deets scores! Chris Tanev is just happy he's making the highlight packages for the right reasons, like scoring an overtime winner or making a big block to preserve a Canucks victory. For most of the past seven seasons, Tanev's name's been synonymous with injuries. He's missed 139 games in that span with a variety of ailments. But this year, he's played in all 60 Canucks games, one of only seven guys on the roster who's got perfect attendance. It's awesome. It's awesome just going out to play and, and have fun and win. He blocks a lot of shots, takes a lot of hits, and, and uh, he's been through uh, a few tough things. So it's just uh, it's awesome to see him out there playing and then playing well. And, um, he's been great for us all year. Not only has Tanev been there every night playing his typical steady game, but his presence alongside rookie Quinn Hughes has given the Canucks one of the best pairings in the league. Hughes could win the Calder Trophy. He's been that dominant, but they brought the best out of each other. I think he's done, you know, just as much to help me as I've, you know, helped him. He's a special player, you know, like he's smart. Um, I think he breaks up, up the puck or uh, breaks out the puck just as well as anyone on our team, if not more than anyone. So he, you know, it's easy for me sometimes when I got him and it takes stress off me and uh, he's a great player. I come to the rink every day and it's it's awesome to to be around him, to, to play with him. He's, he's such a fun guy. Um, he's always joking around. We're, we've gotten pretty close uh, over the last year and a little bit, and um, I think it, our relationship will grow on and off the ice uh, even more as we continue to play with each other. Now that Tanev is an Ironman, at least by his terms, the Canucks would love to sign him to a new deal and have him here for a few more years. But he's an unrestricted free agent, and with a tight salary cap, there's no guarantee they can afford him. I mean, obviously, I'd, lo I'd love to stay here my entire career. So, I mean, I'm just focused on playing hockey, um, playing every game and, and trying to help this team get in the playoffs. They will be here tomorrow night, the Bruins. Tonight, they're in Calgary taking on the Flames, and the Flames got off to a great start in this game. Rebound goes right to Michael Backlund. He scores. That's 20 seconds in. And then Backlund would score again on a two-on-one. So it was 2-0 Calgary. Then it was 3-1 Calgary, but now it's 3-3 Late in the first period, the Bruins have rallied. And the Oilers are playing tonight against Minnesota, who, of course, beat the Canucks in a shootout. I can't stand those uniforms. Dull. Come on, you can do better than that. But despite wearing an unattractive sweater, as far as I'm concerned, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins has scored twice, and it's 2-1 Edmonton after one. 
This year, the BC Winter Games are up in Fort St. John, and so is our own Paul Hasem. Well, it is games on here in Fort St. John, day one of competition for the BC Winter Games. They call this place the Energetic City, and right now it is certainly living up to its name. Paranordic skier Caden Baum from Salmon Arm kicking off the competition at Beaton Provincial Park. These trails managed by the Whiskey Jack Nordic Ski Club, a local volunteer organization that is honoured to be playing host. We have been preparing for this for about 10 years, not knowing that, of course, we would get the games. That speed and energy taking over the Pomeroy Sports Centre as well. The theme of these games is We Are North, something this speed skating family lives by. They are the Norths from Fort St. John. Mom Catherine is working at the venue. Older sister Hannah is a BC Games alumni, also helping out, while younger sister Emma is competing and even winning her race. Day to day, we live in the North. Uh, we enjoy the North. We love the winter. We love the speed skating. So, yeah, true to our name, we, yep, we're Northerners. That local pride evident from athlete ambassador Denny Morrison, who's never shy to wear his heart on his sleeve. The four-time Olympic medalist honed his craft in Fort St. John and has a message for the more than 1,200 athletes. I think there's just so much you can learn from sport. I was a BC Games alumni in badminton where I just got, I got smoked, right? <laughs> and, uh, but I was a multi-sport athlete at that age and I think it's really good to, uh, to get out there and compete. Now the city of Fort St. John has really embraced these games, more than 2,000 volunteers helping out. But really there's a buzz around here right now. They like to call it Northern Hospitality. Reporting from Fort St. John, Paul Hasem, Global News. It's windy up there, but he said it was five degrees. It's good. Well, he's got the toque on, rocking the Global BC toque. I don't even know if I have one of those. I don't think I have one. It's good. I have the Global BC underwear, but you can never see it. <laughs> that's right. And that's Unless you wear point. it on the outside of your pants, and then people think that's, that's kind of silly. Yeah, I know. don't even want that visual. Okay, you skiers, here's your snow report for this evening. Once again, not a lot of new snow across the region. Only one mountain with new snow. However, there is some snowfall pushing in this evening. Whistler, Blackcomb, Grouse, Cypress, and Sasquatch will all get it beginning this evening. Manning Park, Revelstoke, Fernie, you can expect snowfall overnight. Same for Big White, Silver Star, Sun Peaks, and Apex. Mount Washington will get snowfall beginning this evening. Whitewater, Red Mountain overnight. And Powder King is the winner today at 5 centimeters of fresh snow. Coming up on ET Canada, TV previews of Better Call Saul, Supergirl, and Hunters. Plus, we're in the Bahamas soaking up the sun for season two of Island of Brian. That's coming up at seven right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right. Thank you very much. Squires here. and We've got satellite debris teed up for you. Yes. So this first commercial, I, I guess it tugs at the heartstrings. It basically will show you that first impressions aren't always correct. You will notice it in this commercial. Anyway, it's for a Greek chocolate company called Lacta.
Cause everybody's gotta learn sometime Yeah, everybody's gotta learn sometime you go. And that song is an old song by a group out of England called the Corgis, if I'm not very much mistaken. Wow. It's been redone. Okay, nice. speaking of England, uh, UK, uh, we got a commercial from Ladbrokes and also one for Labatt Blue Citra. Like ah. Ladbrokes, I'm begging to sport. Big that one out! Do you believe in barracos? I said, do you believe beer can be happy and refreshing? It's a miracle! It's a miracle! And it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Okay. This next one, I think we've shown before. It's 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 a good tip. Mm-hmm. It's a good safety tip, although in this case maybe it was a mistake. But it's from Mentos. You guys, the whole time going, oh, I want my. Hey turn. guys, fancy a ride? Plenty of room. Ladies, do I look like I was born yesterday? Your car is no rear seat belts. Now are we gonna skedaddle out of here nice and quiet, like, or am I gonna have to notify the proper authorities? Never get in a car with strangers. You see, it's good advice on many levels. Don't get in a car with strangers and also don't become your father. And and don't ever blow your nose on one of those things. (laughs) Caution, you know, sometimes is the better. Sometimes you gotta take a chance. Sometimes you do have to take take a a chance. chance. Uh, yeah, we were uh, absolutely thrilled this week and, and most of last week, too, to do a little bit of reflecting on 2010. I wasn't here yesterday, but the big story broke about Vancouver 2030. I don't know how that's going over. but Well, when you think about cool. it, they wouldn't have to build a lot of things. It's no. pretty much all here. You might have to do some building up at Cyprus again because they don't have some of the venues they had then. But yeah. 
Who knows? We had such a good time in 2010. We sure did. Thanks very much for watching. Have a great weekend.